No Gods, No Monsters contains spoilers, profanity, and substance use. The whole time I was watching this movie is what do you think the biggest, the largest biological atrocity a private citizen scientist can get away with without like being cuffed and taken off to jail? Because that's all I kept thinking Mm, is like when this giant, this giant plant beast was just sitting in the middle of this lake and there that. The scientist is just being like interviewed on the news about it. I kept thinking, like, why is this guy not in jail? What's going on here? And I thought maybe it doesn't work that way. Maybe there's no laws against making kaiju. But like, I don't know. What do you think you could get away with if you had all the gene splicing technology at your fingertips? Well, what do you think you could do? In reality, and not a movie context, I mean. Your parents are still free, right? (laughs) Welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit. I'm, uh, uh, cause it's October, I'm Chucky. (laughs) And I'm Bardo. I hope it's still October. Yeah, I don't, yeah, who knows? (laughs) Sorry, Barto, I cut your name off. That's Barto. It's okay. Uh, today we're talking about 1989's Godzilla versus Biolante. <laughs> next week, or next time. Next time, just so folks know, we are doing Barto's pick. Barto, you want to tell us what we're covering? Uh, yeah. Next time we're covering Close Encounters with the Third Kind because we've been doing alien movies and i love this alien movie so we're doing it and then for folks keeping track we are diving back into our chronological or release order watching of the godzilla king kong and gamera movies with godzilla versus king Ghidorah, the first 90s godzilla movie directed by the director of godzilla versus biolante yes and Barta, you've seen that one, Charlie. You haven't. I think the only Heisei one I've seen is Destora. You didn't watch this week's movie. I mean, besides, besides the last, besides the movie we're covering this episode and the movie <laughs> okay. the last. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> just sweating a little. Yeah. Okay. It's all um, over my microphone. Very. Although gross. I did not Thanks, have Charles. the most cohesive watching of this movie. <laughs> Charlie, since you. Uh, with that in mind, would you like to tell us what this movie's about? <clears throat> this movie is about plants. <laughs> After Godzilla's latest attack, everyone realized it would be a good idea to get a hold of some of the big lizard guy's cells in order to do science. Americans will kill Japanese to get these cells, and then Ceradians will kill Americans and Japanese. That's just how eager the world is for Godzilla science. And who can blame them since Japan has learned they can use the big lizard guy's cells to create a weapon that would neutralize nuclear weapons and catapult Japan to superpower status. Japanese plant doctor, Dr. 
Shirigami and his stoked for plants daughter, Erika, go to Seradia to help them with their project of genetically altered Godzilla plants. But a terrorist attack kills the laboratory and all residing within, including both Erika and Shirigami's innocence, hopes, and dreams. Five years later, Erika is now a rose, and the Japanese military is now trying to use Godzilla cells to develop nuclear nuclear material eating bacteria as a weapon against Godzilla. This bacteria would also neutralize America's weaponry and catapult Japan to a superpower status status, which as we all know is a big nuh-uh, don't you go there. Shirigami merges Godzilla cells with his rose-ass daughter in an attempt to make the perfect child, and that perfect child comes to be as a giant plant kaiju named Biolante, who, despite her monstrous appearance, turns out to actually be the perfect child, one that ultimately teams up with bacteria to fend off Godzilla, a fight that leaves Godzilla a sleepy boy and Biolante a combination of spores and ghosts that floats up towards the heavens. It's, or the end, it's Godzilla <laughs> versus, versus Violante, baby. It's good. I was going to be like, wait, does the movie end or does it just go forever? <laughs> I forgot to type that in, so. But yeah. Sa- oh, also, um, P.S., uh, neither of my co-hosts uh, mentioned or... Uh, noticed uh, I got a haircut. Despite I, we fact, literally, it's the about first thing we inches. said, yeah. it's about 11 inches on. shorter, and they did not say anything about it. 11 inches shorter. <laughs> the first thing we said when you logged on was slick hair, dude. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't have my headphones on, so I guess I missed <laughs> <laughs> You guys should have waited till I had headphones on to say anything about it. <laughs> oh. Good coverage of the movie, Charlie. Yeah. Anybody have any references or short sources? I didn't. You know, this this time it just like came to me. It all came to me, and it felt so good. I didn't even look anything up. Hell yeah. Have you ever had sources? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a learned man. <laughs> Not, I don't have your kaiju books. I, you know, it wasn't meant to be. You already have those books. Why would I want those books too? Just kick him in the balls, Charlie. Jesus Christ. You're usually smart enough where you don't need sources. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So many good um, saves this morning. Hmm. I read the chapter on it in this book. I'm going to put it up to the camera. Dude. <laughs> Audio format. The Critical History and Filmography of Toes Godzilla series by David Collett. And then I also listened to Kaiju Transmissions podcast on this, which covers a lot of the same ground as the chapter in David Collett's book. Although they get a little bit more in-depth into unused scripts and stuff like that. Those are my two references. I didn't even realize they had one on it. I thought they didn't. It's like a, me. they were at um like a, oh, a G-Fest festival. Something. Yeah, something like that. And they were doing like a live um, talk about it. Yeah. Um, I read part of the Kaiju film and Critical Study of Cinema's Biggest Monsters by Jason Barr. But it was kind of didn't tell me anything I didn't already know about this goddamn movie. So... But I feel like due diligence. There it is. Yeah. Okay. I also read. <laughs> Not Hellboy. <laughs> I think I left the book in my bathroom. <laughs> um, but uh, um, shit. The other Godzilla. Deep book. studying. 
another Godzilla book I sometimes reference. <laughs> the FAQ one? Yes, the FAQ Godzilla book. Uh, but that really didn't add anything that I think will uh, made any kind of influence on my discussion. Okay, Charlie, you're the only one here who hadn't seen it before. So yet again, I'm going to do this every time now. I want to start with you. What did you think of the movie? Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time answering this and the rating because it's had things stacked up against it. First of all, it's October. Not supposed to watch non-horror movies in October. That's a stack against it. This is making me be unfaithful to my lord and savior, Satan. So that's the negative thing towards it. This is the movie since we started I've been most looking forward to watching. And my watches were kind of... um, I think maybe there's like a rival podcast or something that is infesting my my files. Gangstalkers. Um, uh, yeah, I, I uh, so my first file I, I went to watch this, um, and the last 30, 20 to thirty minutes, the audio went out of sync for about five to seven seconds, um, which is a big big fucking gap. It's very distracting. And then I downloaded another torrent of it, and the subtitles kept kicking out and we actually had to delay our recording because uh, of how much that fucked up my watching of it. And like I had to keep rewinding it and rewatching scenes over and over to get the subtitles to actually display. And then I, I watched just like super late last night um, because I went to archive.org and downloaded one and it took like an hour or so longer than I thought it would take. And then, uh, yeah. And then I had, to wake up early at 6 a.m. So anyways, I was up super late when I had to wake up early watching this last night. And anyway, so negative. I just have a lot of negative feelings entwined in my watching through this. And I think I'll appreciate it more the next time I watch it. Uh, I think it will rank as one of my favorite Godzilla movies. But there was just like a constant, a constant anger and disappointment through this whole period of uh, experience in this movie. So I enjoyed it and I think I will love it. But, you know, there's something kind of holding me back to the extent that I like it. Um, Part of that is Toho directly, since this is the only one, I think, that is not available legally in the United States. Yeah, I, as um, regular listeners podcast know, I am a physical media collector. And I think maybe there's like one other one or something that's out of print. But yeah, this... uh, the release of this that was put out by Sony has, has been out of print for years and goes for like over a hundred dollars. And I would gladly buy this, even if it's like the releases they did of the high, of the Heisei and Millennium Era like suck ass, but I still buy them because I like having physical stuff and I like supporting physical media. But Toho does not have this released in the U.S., even though they have a 4K restoration of it out in Japan. Do they really? Um, I don't I know if it's on disc, but but yeah, but yeah, there is a 4K restoration of it. Um, yeah, we even had a listener DM trying to figure out how they could watch this. Uh, yeah. It's a trip. Wow. Yeah. So people can go to archive.org and find the 4K uh, release of this, which, you know, is not going to be, the, even though it's 4K, it's still not going to be the greatest quality because it's still just like an 8 gig file or something like that. But uh, but yeah, there's a watermark on it, but it's definitely, if you want to watch it, you can go to archive.org and find it there. I watched like a 1 gig file of it and it is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so other other thoughts about it are just, I think Bialante is maybe 
one of, if not the coolest, like kind of like monster designs in the Godzilla series. It's just so cool and unique, and I love it. Um, other than also, as a negative thing about the movie, is they don't Violante isn't in it enough. I wish I wish he was in it more. Um, but yeah, I I, I, I like this movie, and I liked a lot of what, what it was throwing at me. I just did not have the. I do not appreciate so, it as much as I feel like I should. How, how about you, Barto? I yeah, I, this is actually the first time I've watched the, I've I've watched uh, with subtitles and not uh, dubs because I've probably seen this movie three or three or four times over many many years. Um, I saw this the first time in the '90s, probably. I think this movie is so weird, and uh, I think. Yeah, Godzilla looks great. Biolante looks great. I think the plot is so strange. And some things like really came to me while I was watching it this time of like what this movie is actually like about uh, and the arguments that it's making. And some of it is very cool and some of it is very weird. Yeah, this is definitely like way up there in 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 terms of my favorite Godzilla films it, it's just everything except for the English works is really really good <laughs> the English is very is a very strange choice but uh otherwise otherwise a really wonderful film how about you hell yeah I might have mentioned this in our intro episode or something but this is the movie that I was introduced to first like I think this might be the first Godzilla movie I watched other than 1998 Godzilla when I was working at the Earth First Journal and used to put on eco horror movie nights I would do all this googling about eco horror and this movie and uh oh my god my brain the smog monster how am I not remembering one of my favorite uh, Hedora 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 yeah uh came up and I watched this one and I thought it was fucking awesome and I think this I didn't watch more Godzillas for a while for a few years but I think it like sparked in me like oh shit Godzilla is fucking cool and I think it's kind of a good introductory one because yeah the monster's fucking awesome it's about genetic engineering but really it's covering all the bases of a kaiju movie it's got the cool monster battles it's got the cool destruction and it's got the like themes of science or technology taken too far and international political conflict and all that stuff and it, that's it's really sick i really love violante some of the coolest looking monster stuff ever such cool effects weird like horror-y kind of 80s horror kind of effects but in a done well in a kaiju way i do think that like i find the overlapping stories and stuff interesting in a way that i'm kind of excited to try to untangle them but i am also like this movie doesn't have a main character it really mm-hmm. doesn't know what it's doing the, like to carry you from one scene to the next and that's the one flaw that's kind of frustrating uh, about I, like 20 minutes into this movie i i made this little note just saying like uh-oh there are too many characters in this movie yeah and i don't think any of them are particularly well developed at all like i could not remember like who was who and what the names were and um i didn't really have any connection with any of them really any of the human characters i don't even know that it's too many characters it's just like shin godzilla is incredible it has so many characters but i know who the main character is so i have a grounding thing like that i'm following Mm. where here you're tricked into thinking certain characters are main characters and then suddenly you don't see them forever when you return they don't matter that much anymore and 
that's, I think, its biggest flaw other than... I mean, I still don't know some parts of what's happening in this movie. Like, Charlie, oh, you said, like, the Americans with the guns get the cells. I'm like, are they Americans? They have Australian accents. I, yeah, I thought they were Australian, <laughs> but, maybe. But then later, it says that they were a part of the army... And Japan says that. So are they Japanese, Australian, Wait, they're part of the army? I, mean, I, thought, I thought they were part of like an American corporation. Yeah, they're part of an but, American biotech firm. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I thought they were, but then hold on, where is it? I'm going to find the... I have so many pages of notes, but give me a second. Okay, wait. Can we, can we just, for the listener, pin down who we're talking about? Can we give, okay, give these guys early, some characteristics? Very beginning of the movie, these white army guys grab the cell and then or right. no somebody grabs the cell and the white army guys attack them like godzilla cells yeah the yeah. godzilla cell thank you yeah. uh it's like godzilla and then, skin i think yeah but yeah and then you're right godzilla skin to get the cell and then later the colonel guy i think it is of the japanese self-defense forces or one of them says the cells were collected by an army special unit I don't know where in the process think, they're talking about. Maybe that's later. I just wrote this down like an hour before we recorded. Like what? Okay. No. So so some some white some American or Australian. They seem Thank like you. Australian agents of an American biotech firm. Classic. I'm looking at it right now. Just some. Yeah. They steal these cells from the so first from the the Japanese guy grabs the cell. Then those guys come and steal it. Well. I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> I think this is a Japanese guy in white face because he has blonde hair and his his comrades are also white. And I, I'm not sure. Maybe he's not wearing white face. Maybe he's just he's a Japanese guy who works for those companies. But Which guy are you referring to is that? A team of three people steal the Godzilla cells. They take them. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The first thing that happens is someone picks up a piece of skin from the cement. Who is Correct. that? A, a Japanese guy with blonde hair, I, I believe. Okay. So it's not stealing. So that was why I was confused. Well, they're but I think they're infiltrating this. Okay, so they're in suits. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We're going to figure this out. I watched this twice, and I've seen it four times before, okay. just for the record of how confused. So, so, But here's the important thing, is as far as I could tell. There's guys in white hazmat suits who are picking up Godzilla cells. And there's also a guy, again, blonde hair, in an army suit who picks up Godzilla cells from, I believe, two different spots. Oh. I think that's what happens. And so there is the Godzilla cells that are eventually delivered to the this biotech corporation in Japan that are then under lock and key and then become the subject of much scrutiny throughout the film. And then there's the cells that are taken by these American company mercenaries that then are who are then mowed down by this guy from Seradia. How are we going to say this? Seradia. So in Seradia. So in between those two things, there aren't dudes in olive colored army outfits shooting each other. There other Japanese military guys go chasing them. And then the original three end up mowing down all the the Japanese army guys. And then they get mowed down by the guy in the trench coat with the sunglasses from Seradia. Yes. Who we're going to all give the best dressed award to right now. <laughs> yeah, Wonderfully. absolutely. Yeah, cool. MMB a lot. Who, too. by the way, has his scope mounted 
on a part of the AK, I didn't know you could mount scopes, and I'm going to look into that. Seradia, man. There are leagues ahead. Totally. Fashion-wise? Yeah. Uh, and scoping-wise. And scoping oh, yeah, wise. totally. Yeah, yeah. So then, I'm sorry, what question were we answering by going through that entire digression? I was just saying it was confusing. Oh, yeah, I get, you're right. It was. <laughs> I think. Uh, should we start with Seradia? Well, and then... <laughs> I'm also, you know, and to add the confusion, then it's just like, it's like a couple plot points, and then it's just like five years later, and like the cells have gone back to Japan, and then I, yeah, it's just. Well, those are the other cells in Japan, but yes, there's also like, you have all, you have all these organizations, like you have all the ones we've mentioned included and then the mental science exploration center the ecology foundation the japanese psionic center the national land bureau the okachi foundation and there's like six others there's republic of seradia the seradia oil corporation the seradia institute of biotechnology and there's more than that i just stopped writing them down and then you have like spies in a fedex truck that they're not like hi we're from this group you just kind of are supposed to figure it out and they're speaking english and i they're from the american yeah american yeah. biotech firm which they give but it a name we, i don't remember what it is but totally so. but then we also find out that the what is it the seradia oil company corporation is just a front for spying activity so like everything <laughs> that is a thing is a front for another thing it's just a lot it's very so like, 80s very like a very particular like uh like paranoid thriller kind yes. of thing but too much well, <laughs> totally the glass um, is overflowing with spy shit yes like, so the director to this, he initially like went to the produce the Godzilla producer Tanaka, and he was like talking about making like another Godzilla movie, and but also how he was like wanted he thought Godzilla should be something he like grew up loving Godzilla, but he thought it was like too stuck as like a kiddie kind of franchise, and he wanted to be more serious, and specifically he wanted to be more kind of like a James Bond esque and. Yeah. He later said that directing Godzilla was his second choice of career. His true dream was to direct a James Bond movie. So I think which is you so kind funny because of... this is just a repeat, right? They already tried to do. Yeah, a James I know they Bond did so much spy shit before in the in the show in the era. Yeah, it's like, movies. This, yeah, it's like they already literally already tried that. Um, uh-huh. And we should mention for folks who don't know, like this, there was a writing contest to come up with how to make what the new Godzilla should be. And if I remember, I haven't looked at this in years, like a dentist wrote this idea yeah, as a yeah. treatment and won. Yeah. yeah. It, um, but the, the dentist, he had written things before that got made in like Ultraman episodes and like some other TV yeah. show, something like that. But, but yeah, he, he was not a real writer. I just think it's important that he's a dentist. Cause there are so many teeth in the movie, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, it's kind of a bummer to me just zooming out that like this is such a cool new kaiju and this movie rules but then it bombed so toho did the safe thing and then the next three movies are fucking king Ghidorah, mothra mechagodzilla they were like no new kaiju we got to go back to basics and it's a bummer because this movie secretly fucking ruled wait this movie bombed yeah Man. I don't think it necessarily bombed, but it did a lot worse than they were expecting. Um, it did a lot worse than the first Godzilla. They had trouble. They, I don't think they could get it played in America. And yeah, it was just like super disappointing. So maybe it didn't bomb, but it was bad enough that they were like, yeah. okay, we're doing King Ghidorah again. We got to go back to what people like. Let's make it kitty again and or like less mm. serious and stuff. The other interesting thing about the 
the plot of this movie and money making shit is the very basic like thing of like it's the future now so biotech firms are like everywhere and competing with each other is like Jurassic Park you know like that is yeah. which didn't get mm-hmm. written until or released as a book until for another year after this movie came out but is like the underlying premise of that film is that like genetics is what the future is and and the companies that do it are fucking ruthless with one another. Okay, I lied. There was something I learned from this uh, from this book that I want to bring up. Uh, one second. It's referencing what you're saying, Barto. Oh. Um, that apparently, like, at this point in the 80s, gene splicing was, like, a huge concern. Yeah. Um, well, basically, like, in the early 80s, the federal government of the U.S. had had panels exploring the ethics of gene splicing... And there had been, like, big articles talking about, like, relating Dr. Frankenstein to gene splicing. Um, At least they got it right. Who is the doctor? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Yeah, okay. Basically, yeah, that I didn't realize that this was, like, one of the big things people were really concerned about in the mid-80s. Where do y'all want to... I don't know. There's so many things we've touched on, and I don't know where to start. Let's start at... Seradia. Okay. Either of y'all ever been there? No, because it's fake. I have some thoughts, but why do y'all think they made a fake Arab country, Middle Eastern country called Seradia? I mean, it does sound a lot like Saudi Arabia, you know? Seradia to me was like, they're kind of setting the stakes of the rest of the film. Like, the whole idea of it is, you know, it's desert. It is oil production, it is pollution, it is military, it is large companies, you know, making under the table deals. They're speaking English for some reason, even yes. though, even though, and but I actually think that might actually be part of it. That's like part of the stakes. Yes. And they are like, we want this, this Godzilla cells to mix with this wheat and cactus. To both overtake U.S. cereal production, but also to make the desert bloom, to make the, uh, is is what I think they they said, something like that. Partially to make it bloom with, yeah, with, like, Erica wants it to bloom with flowers, but they're mostly controlled about, or concerned with using it for production of wheat and other cereals, which is so interesting to me that you have this, the Middle East, which is, like... The, the dollar is based on the petrodollar, right? Like the, the the world runs on oil. They already have this crazy monopoly that's being taken by the U.S. But the movie focuses on cereal production as the monocrop or the monopoly that the U.S. has. And that is so weird to me. I had no idea. I have really bad hearing. I cannot understand any of the English spoken stuff in this. It's so I, the Wikipedia mentions that they were trying to make the, the desert bloom. So I, I knew that much. I was like, oh, that's kind of like a understandable position of, of what to do uh, with these guys. Else, else. I did not. This is the first news to me about the cereal stuff. Uh, it's so <laughs> I I kept taking screenshots of the subtitles and putting them into Google Lens and then having the Google Lens translate the Japanese subtitles into English so that I could understand <laughs> the English that the actors were speaking because... I'm going to put some clips of it in here because it is pretty impenetrable. (laughs) My daughter, Erika, 
has succeeded in crossbreeding a new type of wheat from wheat and cactus cells. This wheat can grow in the desert. If we add self-reproductive genetic information from the Godzilla cell, an indestructible superplant will be completed. I got it, but it wasn't, it wasn't super easy. I went back on a few of them. I will say the writing on that stuff was so bad with like mixed, like this movie had a lot of writing that was like dialogue that was so cringy of like, you have the head of this company and his main scientist talking and they're explaining things to each other as if they've never met and he's being introduced <laughs> to the job. It's like, well, you know that the United States has a monopoly on wheat and it will scare them if we can do that. And he's like, well, it's a good thing you told me that because we've been splicing cactus with this. And it's like, right. whoa, right. Like, you guys don't what know this already? You've been working here for years. <laughs> this uh, is so funny learning that this <laughs> yeah <laughs> about but, all the cereals. But what is that? <laughs> Like, why didn't they just do oil? I guess because they had to put genes into it. But uh, my read of this is, again, this is what the stakes of the film are. Like, uh, my how I look at this is, I'm going to jump ahead really, really quick. But, you know, uh, a point of conflict and a point of concern is making a bacteria that can eat nuclear material. There's, like, yeah. people who are, like, main characters who we're supposed to like who are like oh no we can't have this this bacteria that can eat nuclear material which and when i'm watching it the first time i'm like why not you know that sounds yeah. like good theoretically but the position of this film is like essentially what like almost like a deep ecology position on in our like how we relate to nature and serradia is sort of the example of like the worst possible outcome of like look at this this industry look at this military look at this pollution it's in the middle of the the fucking desert and they're they're trying to do what they're trying to like essentially play god and make make the desert bloom and i think that that is that sort of like serves as like a like a warning for like what's to come ahead and and they are punished by a terrorist attack or whatever you know sure uh, which which ruins their plans for making the desert point um but i i, I mean sorry i don't want to no no go i i'm gonna have to hear more about this deep, deep ecology thing as we go on because i'm not i'm not seeing it but i do i do think if i'm thinking about it like okay you have an international conflict a global conflict of all these competing organizations and countries and you know the u.s as they mention has the the food thing down as an export serradia has oil as an export imagine the power if the place that had oil also had the food um i could see that being like a, oh shit they will be running shit as like a high stakes problem of why you would have both of those yeah do you, do you want to go into where you're getting the environmental stuff or do you want to save that and we'll talk about more and get there maybe it's not maybe deep ecology is too far but it seems to it's the film seems to have the position of like there is um like the end goal at the end of this is like reestablishing a sort of harmony with nature that is disrupted by the creation of biolante i think 
it, it takes like a firm stance against like genetic engineering generally in or this, in, i i need evidence i got i fully disagree on that okay so i mean again you know this bacteria that eats nuclear material sure when we we're thinking about it in the context of godzilla you know like that's what the that is what the fear is nuclear material and suddenly sure. there's this company that's like yeah we could we could deal with that we could make nukes go away totally all of the characters we like you know the guy who's like we can make nukes go away is like the big evil fucking like head of the corporation our heroes are like no we can't let that happen essentially and I, but why can't we let that happen is and, clearly stated and it's a complex reason because it will fuck up the balance of power in the world is is their concern to me i read it as and this is like giving away my whole view on the movie but like this movie is a is a critique of having a global society that is competitive rather than cooperative the all of the concerns stated are because someone else will do something bad with it or oh why do i have to work on this thing that i think is unethical because if i don't someone else will first or oh it'll get into the wrong hands all of our you know um kira what's his name uh kirishima he has he has moral quandaries about getting involved but he's like oh but if we don't, these other countries are going to get to it or these other corporations are going to get to it. So we need it as a form of self-defense. And I feel like the the oversaturation of all of these biotech companies and all of these secret interests, it's all to hit us over the head with, isn't this insane? Isn't it ridiculous that we're set up where like we have enough food for everybody, but we're fighting over who gets to have it? Or we have these amazing technologies, but someone's going to use it as a weapon? That's how I... That's how I see the movie. Although I do think there's a little of uh, the head of the what's it? I, I feel like they almost never say his name. Uh, Asuka's dad, who's mm-hmm. like the head of the foundation, like the evil guy. He's like, yes, I see every every coin has two sides, right? Um, like if the nuclear thing like is good for or the anti-nuclear bacteria is good for defense against nukes. It can also be used as a weapon. I, it has two sides. But also it kind of feels like the movie's saying, well, then stop making coins, like use something else. Like this mm. capitalism is a stupid way for us to do this. But I don't know. That's how I see all these overlapping, conflicting things. I mean, I don't think that Reed is wrong. Like, I don't think I, I think that is like a reasonable uh, pathway to like a more like harmonious relationship with nature which is again what i think the film is mostly advocating for i guess the part i'm missing is the nature i feel like nature's almost never talked about except genetics i don't feel like anyone's ever talking about nature but am i missing i don't think they're talking about like nature broadly but like they're talking about transforming the desert into into what they uh into a greenery is what they said you know they're talking they're they're uh, and it's isn't it posited as a good thing when erica's talking about it it's only bad because this company wants to use it for capitalism yeah or for power i have a question we're getting so I have a ahead it might for, be good to I have pull a question. back but go ahead no i have a question for both of you guys that maybe that maybe could uh shine some light on this if if we look at the kaiju's 
and maybe there's not a good one or a bad one, but is Violante like bad and Godzilla no. is bad or, or, or is Godzilla bad and, and wins and defeats. I mean, I don't know how you can ascribe morality to them, but uh, in terms of, from a human perspective, Violante doesn't do anything bad. All she does is fight Godzilla. She never, she kills some humans before that. Is she? Yeah. She kills those, I she was just uh, the guy in the lake. No, she shoots her. Remember the the assassin and the two spies are in a house. Our first introduction to her are in a well, building, not a house. And the vines come in and strangle the black guy and kill him. Well, I yeah. mean, they were being bad people. They were trying sure. to steal. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're the movie doesn't know her. either. I think it's complicated whether they're bad or good. Like one of the things I like about this ending is that Godzilla is neither hero nor villain, and they kind of just are he gets to walk off, you know? Hmm. But maybe that's a simplistic read. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to that final fight cuz I have some thoughts, but uh Totally. I yeah, I mean and that makes me think of like for instance, I don't think that I don't know. I I guess it's even more complicated than like for instance, what do y'all think about the fact that nuclear power plants exist? Does the movie have a strong take on whether nuclear power plants are good or bad? To me, it actually kind of feels like, and maybe this supports your point, they're saying like, because this movie to me has a very, be careful of new technology. It can get out of hand. And nuclear power plants, you know, most people think of them as green and good, despite whatever. But the fact that Godzilla exists, the fact that these natural or unnatural things exist, threatens that right because he could attack them and turn them into disaster zones i don't know if that plays i would yeah, say I it does i guess my other question would be dr shiragami is he like a good guy a bad guy like what does he fit morally into any of this is he just like a tragic figure who lost his daughter and we're supposed to feel bad for him like i think he's a he's a a uh, mad scientist, Dr. Frankenstein, who is using technology for his own ends, and it's supposed to be thing that we shouldn't do. And he is good at the end where he says, I've realized I should not mess with bacteria anymore. But if he had never done that, Godzilla wouldn't have been defeated. So Did Bialante defeat it? I guess it's complicated. I thought she like helped heat up his body to the point where the bacteria oh, nice. could take yeah. effect. True. That's yeah. why they didn't arrest him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he realized he's wrong. And the cops are about to come and put the cuffs on him, and they're like, you, "Oh, he's learned his lesson." That's all. I mean, he got shot the, in the heart. Yeah, what's the line he says at the end? I feel like that's important. Uh, God, I wish I had it here. Oh, I hold on. It, the Godzilla and Violante aren't monsters. It's the arrogant scientists that create them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it feels very classic kaiju film. Yeah. Eric, yeah. as we've said many times in anti-science podcasts, but also he says another thing oh. earlier, which is you see science is just another host for politicians, which I feel like is yeah. feeding into my reading well, of it a little. Collat points towards this as the big turn in the movies where it starts like having a less idealistic uh, view on science uh, and scientists where they now start considering scientists as just, uh, you know, other people who are swayed by... Um, governments and uh, corporations and not the uh, the good guys that they were usually set up as before as the inherent good guys to me there's a lot said about technology and science 
and maybe I'm missing it, but not a lot said about the fact that we're messing with nature. But like, I think one of the, I think this movie is trying to say a lot of things and maybe too many things as we pointed out early on. Um, but like, uh, Asuka's dad, I'm going to keep calling him cause I don't know. He says like, it's only fair that we use this, uh, bacteria as a weapon, um, that will protect us from our enemies. And I think, uh, like, and if we don't produce this bacteria, someone else is sure to do it. And then who gets devastated by it? By like science and technology, Japan does. I feel like it, part of this movie is, is just critiquing like where we've gotten ourselves mm-hmm. politically, but I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think that's incorrect or anything. And I don't think that that necessarily contradicts your reading of it. I'm just looking for a little bit of nuggets about that. I guess, I mean, when I see Biolante, I see her almost like as a stain or something like that. Like she's just like this thing. She's just standing out there and she's just like a thing that should not be, you know what I mean? And, and you're right there. It's not, necessarily make you know it's not like she's oozing slime into the rivers and polluting them or like burning down the forest it's not anything quite like that but yeah i don't know maybe it's not deep ecology as such maybe you're right maybe maybe it's more about like how we're using technology more generally and how we use it as like just part of a competitive structure it it feels to me like Again, like we're looking at Biolante as just like, oh, this is what like we've done with genetics, which is like create a freak of nature, you know, like or like a a perversion of some kind, you know, a mirror of Godzilla, where instead of the source being warfare, although there is some warfare tied into this, the source is technology being used in ways we don't understand politics being involved it's kind of giving a lot of the same like we kind of have a sarazawa figure who dies at the end in this and we have a mirror of godzilla right a stain who's not supposed to be there who's partially literally godzilla and it's kind of just to me bringing those ideas to the 80s of like okay maybe we don't have world war ii going on anymore in an arms race in the same way but we have these different races and we have science funded by giant corporations and countries that could also have the same results as World War II. Right, right, right. But I don't know. I think there is I think there is some some nature in here. It's just it's very saturated. There's so much going on yeah. that it's it's hard to get a clean take for me on that. What do y'all think about the inclusion of like ESP being thrown into the mix? Also very <laughs> in vogue. It, Oh yeah, yeah, fair. It, it was. Um, I feel like they didn't use it enough. I don't know. Miki's character just kind of felt really like on the outskirts of the whole plot overall, and then they just kind of bring her just in a few different parts just to kind of drive the plot along. But she she just felt felt very much not part of the whole thing. I don't know. I, I wish there is more of it <clears throat> too. Like I'm I'm surprised to find that you know she's a character that comes back for like eight more movies because like she's I was gonna barely, say she's barely utilizing this at all hold on to that viewpoint for the next eight movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would love to have a psychic chat with the big guy though that yeah dude. that what a cool idea that you're you just lock into his brain in a way that no one has ever been able to do before 
So cool. Well, and such a cool contrast to these huge armies, these international corporations and all their shit. And then they're like, this little girl used as much power as Godzilla just now. Like, that was awesome. Right. Um, which is, again, nature. Like, I do think there's something tying this in with the critique of, like, the hubris of science. Like, science thinks it can cover everything, but these scientists don't believe in this nobody doing uh, psychic shit. And then it turns out it's real. And she protects them. I definitely think the the that whole part of the movie ties into the critique of the hubris of scientists thinking they know everything. You know, I thought about the, uh, I thought a lot about the Stanford research Institute, uh, in, or, um, in Menlo park, which was that, that, uh, was funded by NASA and the CIA and all these people, all the like ESP studies and stuff that were going on in the United States. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those people who weren't just like frauds, which was some of them, but, um, you know, really thought of it as like tapping into something in the universe, you know, in a, in a way that is like fundamental to the universe. And and I think that to me feels more like, again, in this big picture of like we're thinking about like the I want to say uh, reality as like as it exists as, you know, versus reality that we are fucking with on on like a genetic level or whatever. Sorry to keep returning, hammering on this point, but... No, it's legit. I mean, it's a big part of... I mean, they picked genetics for a reason, and I don't think it was just people's fear of it. Like, I feel like there's a lot of... I mean, there's a ton of gene splicing shit in this movie, to the point where some of the coolest shots are, like, microscopic, weird shit going on. You know, Mm -hmm. they really wanted us to focus on that. Tangentially related, but... Made me think when you bring up the hubris of scientists. Like I, that, that I thought of that like a few times in the movie. Just like when they're just talking about things like, oh, we shot in the mouth of the bacteria. That should have been a lethal dose. Like that should be dead. And like this doesn't make sense. And like she like that. Like what the fuck are you talking about? You act like you perfectly <laughs> yeah. know like Godzilla's makeup <laughs> and what should destroy it. Totally. This yes. creature that <laughs> that's just a complete abnormality in science and they're just like we know exactly what will deal with Godzilla and what it can take um but yeah there are are a few times in it where the scientists were just like this makes no sense um that's and that definitely plays into this idea of like an illusion of technological control right we're controlling mm -hmm. the genes but then look what happens we're controlling the dose but we don't actually know what we're doing or we as terrorists have this button where we control whether Godzilla comes out or not Oh, the machine's broken. Guess Godzilla's coming uh, yeah. out. Um, which also, can we just say, of all the Godzilla entr- entrances, it's wild that terrorists brought Godzilla back this time <laughs> <laughs> with a fucking manifesto or note and everything. Like American terrorists too, which I think is Hell is yeah. cool and important. Yes, <laughs> yes, and yes. Also, just want to throw in: there's so much technological stuff in this. We haven't even brought up the Super X two, and you know which represents this kind of dual thing they always try to do of like Japan has the best technology. Japan is impotent uh, militarily. Like we have this crazy technology no one else has. We can reflect and heighten atomic beams, but it won't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. this weird thing. And then also like chemtrails are in this movie. 
Yeah, yeah. Harp weather control, baby. Let's fucking go. Yes. There's giant weather modification systems, and there's weather wars between different governments. Which leads to nothing? What's that? Right? Does it lead to anything? They're going to warm up his body with lightning? No, they don't. Do they? Yeah. Maybe they do. We see, like... I don't, yeah, I don't think so, but but you do see, like, in the sky at one point, like, all these, like, little lightning, all these little light blasts in the sky. Like, you don't even see the lightning coming down, but you just see, like, circles of, like, lightning, like, in the clouds, um, but not that I think that, they tried it. It really seems... I think they tried it. I just don't know that it worked, because okay. then he has to fight Biolante and get hit by the acid to warm up, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know it's either. It's so convoluted. Yeah. Oh, his body is too cold. Cool. We'll use cloud seeding to make lightning to heat him up. Uh, it it uh, it was cool that they finally said it, that Godzilla is a cold-blooded creature. That's such a funny thought to imagine, like Godzilla taking a nap on a warm rock to like get, <laughs> to get energy. It, does it work, though? Because, like, there's other movies where they're like, oh, his body is essentially a nuclear power plant. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. And, and even in this, they talk about him eating nuclear material. Like, well, to okay. keep yeah. warm, you know, you gotta keep... Yeah, because he's cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe his body being a power plant is only Shin Godzilla, which isn't this canon, so maybe it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. I do have some nature related stuff to bring up to harp on this point some more if that's cool yeah nature. um so first i do want to say and this uh this is not because of you bringing up barto it's just this is a problem i had with the movie when watching it is like they're talking about this stuff but i don't feel like they're talking about the balance of nature enough like you talk about growing plants in the desert and i'm like where's the negative side of that said other than the political Mm. like even growing flowers in the desert genetically is scary as fuck to me does the film have a thought on that i don't know and then just it just reminded me of that when they're talking about cloud seeding and there's nothing mentioned about the environmental problems of messing with the weather at all they're saying oh yeah we'll seed the clouds (laughs) it's like uh how are i don't know how we're supposed to see that as viewers who've been thinking of nature this whole time right so yeah, i totally. sort of read uh, it as nefarious but maybe that's just like my own brain sure. poisoning i don't know i mean there is lightning and darkness and it's tied to the dr frankenstein thing the lightning and shit you know i didn't read like it was nefarious intentionally nefarious at all even though the country that was trying to uh that wanted to turn its deserts into a jungle, even though they were supposed to be bad guys per se, I still didn't read that intention as nefarious, I guess. Sure, yeah. Um Yeah, the flower side didn't feel that way to me. So there's a few more things. I just have this genetics and plants section on my outline of stuff that we haven't brought up yet. Uh and there's man, there's some stuff in here. Like yeah. y'all are talking about like ESP and then we mentioned genetics being like kind of hip at the time. And mm-hmm. like the uh, plants have their own fields of mental energy. It's been shown through numerous tests. Feels very like new agey. Like you know that y'all know what I'm talking about. Like there's oh, the yeah. studies where they would I mean, put like monitors on plants and play music to them and shit. Yeah, I mean, weren't the C- the CIA? I think we're doing. Uh, I'm sure. I, I think the CIA were doing like uh, studies on that kind of stuff. Plant um, parapsychology tests. I don't know. Maybe I I, I don't know those. I, 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 I believe but, it. But yeah, I I thought they were. Um, 
I mean, um, that's some of that shit that when I like first started doing psychedelics and getting into like pol- political and like conspiracy stuff was like super convinced was true. Just like, <laughs> oh yeah, they, you can see the aura around plants and they can like, pe- like whatever, all that shit. So that's kind of funny. And I, I do almost feel like the film is in, like the film buys that, like the film is saying psychic shit, plant ESP. This is the stuff the scientists and politicians aren't because it's not just scientists, right? Even they even say if, if that politician, whoever it was, uh, listens to, a, a, a nobody who does ESP, he'll be out of office soon. Yeah. I mean, the film, the film definitely buys the premise that like nature is, I mean, and nature is like part of the the psychic machine of reality you know which i think if this movie came out now i would just be like oh they're being wacky but because it came out then i'm like oh they buy this they're using this as evidence yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. absolutely which is kind of fun um so some more genetic stuff asuka's dad is creating a (laughs) biobank And the doctor said he's heard Asuka's father wants to preserve the sperm of Nobel Prize winners yeah. and other geniuses for the f- to, or to have future geniuses. Yeah, a, a eugenicist project. Also, yes. there are no everyone who's won a Nobel Prize is uh, right? someone who uh, ejaculates sperm. <laughs> it's like yeah. Oh, such yeah. Weird. yeah, good fucking point. Yeah, no eggs, just sperm. Also. Why are we worried? Like, this it just falls into this, like, horrible, the, you know, just the white supremacist shit that, like, is everywhere. It's so part of our fucking mainstream culture that we can't even see it, of this idea that, like, you know, all the geniuses are from the traditional times and we're running out. And in the future, we won't have enough yes. geniuses. We need to save these traditional, like, white or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The patriarchal geniuses. We're, there's no more Einsteins anymore. Like, this weird... I can't put it into words how creepy that is. It's so yeah. weird. And it's... it's. I mean, it's so weird in so many aspects. And it's also... I don't know. There's just things like... 99.9% of, like, the jobs aren't considered genius jobs by these yeah. people. And, like, in their ideal world, is full of these geniuses, but uh, <laughs> who would all think they're above doing any kind of, you know, right? any work that actually makes society run. And not that geniuses can make the society run, because 99% of geniuses are in those kinds of jobs. But well, it's just, the yeah. idea of these people is just such a fucking black and white view of everything where it's just like these are the dumb people that's why they have jobs like that and smart people get good jobs like being um president and uh uh head of harvard and i and and it's too dumb to try hard like they won't they're too lazy they're it's like Mm -hmm. even the most basic liberal who thinks that they're like a humanitarian thinks that it's ridiculous that the person who brings them coffee should have enough to eat but should have enough money to pay for food but also wants coffee from starbucks like it's like this contradictory like we i wish we were all geniuses i'm not going to think about how i would get my fucking taco bell then you know it's just (laughs) it's so silly and you would think these people would be smart enough to actually consider Things yeah. like that, but <laughs> robots will give us coffee. It's fine. Could could you remind me of what's her name? Okochi's boyfriend's name? Oh, for me, it's a, her name's Asuka, not Okochi, but oh. uh, maybe her oh. last name's Okochi. It is the Okochi Foundation that her dad. Okay, okay. yeah, I thought it was maybe. Asuka, too. 
But oh, yeah, maybe um, his last name. Okay. The the boyfriend's name is uh, Kirishima. So can it, Kirishima has problems with with I think at least the eugenesis project. So like, but just in general, what like what the Akochi Foundation is doing, you know, with even though he works for them in some capacity, I think has great access to them and it's very confrontational, but uh, yes. a cool job, I guess. He's like a pro wrestler. That's like how they get to do their jobs too. But um, what, whatever the case, are we, again, this is like my confusion with this movie and I'm going to keep coming back to is like, are we supposed to think like when the scientist is like, Oh, your dad's doing this project where he's saving the sperm of geniuses. Like, are we supposed to be like, that's gross. That was my question. I was about to like, they say that line about preserving sperm and all they say is there's lots of opposition to this, but they don't give us an indication of, I don't, I legitimately don't know if we're supposed to think it's yeah. bad or good. Like, one of our major characters thinks it's bad, mm-hmm. but, and the guy who says it's good is the mad scientist Frankenstein who, who un- sure. unleashes, you know, again, this, what I would say is stain, but they don't really make it clear. I thought, wait, is the guy who made Bialante, is he anti that or for Pro. it? Oh, for some reason, I thought he was I thought I, he was. I don't remember him being pro. I remember him just stating that it's happening. Oh, I guess. Yeah, he wasn't I, I remember him happening. stating it was happening, and I added a negative uh, connotation to that. Oh, like, I, I read it as just like, "Here are the accomplishments of your father." I know that I'm I'm familiar with the accomplishments of your father. I mean, to be fair though, when he when that guy is in the office with Asuka's dad, Asuka's dad makes fun of him for being scared of science. Um, he yeah. mocks Shirigami for his fear of technology. Like, I feel like Shirigami is a good indicator of, like, where we're supposed to be mentally, and then he takes the wrong path. Like, he's wary of stuff, but because he misses his daughter so much, he just does it anyway. Kind of like Kira, um, the boyfriend, uh, Kirishima. They're both wary of some things, but then take actions anyway because of circumstances, and that's the bad thing. I, I feel, if I had to guess, I'd say... We're supposed to think about the bio lab of genius sperm as not unequivocally bad as one of those things that is like a slippery slope. Like it's dangerous Mm. because of the political situation, right? Like, oh, that's a good thing. But what if it got in the wrong hands? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said about David Collette, he talks about how, yeah, I mean, like I said before that this, uh, it's a much less idealistic, uh, or it's a, while Honda was idealistic about science, now the approach is uh, it's much more uh, cynical and uh, takes into account the fact that they're humans under persuasion of corporations and government. And I feel like, yeah, you, we're supposed to feel that way about this about these this genetic stuff as well. And, and Kirishima's statement about why he's doing the anti nuclear radiation, he says he's he's like, okay, I'm gonna do it, but then he says. But what if Godzilla doesn't come? Then we would have created something as terrible as Godzilla. And the missing words from that statement are for no reason, because right. you already mm. are going to have created something as terrible yeah. as Godzilla yeah. in your view, right? Like whether he comes or not. Right. Yeah. And I do think that even 
maybe I'm wrong about this, but I keep taking uh, Asuka's father's statement about a coin. Every coin has two sides as like the film's viewpoint, even though he's seen as a bad guy. So maybe I'm reading that wrong. No, but but I think that's sort of correct. You know, like, is Godzilla, is Biollante the other side of the coin of Godzilla? Like, is that, is that a, I, I guess that doesn't even really make sense. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like the other side of the coin of Biollante. One is that it can fight Godzilla and one is that it can fight us. It's like, just like the anti-nuclear radiation, they're specifically saying it's good that it can clean oil spills, but it could be used as a weapon, which is bad, but they that one's the most confusing because they how is it used as a weapon exactly? Yeah, <laughs> I don't by disarming. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Maybe because world powers have nukes pointed at each other, it could disarm all of the Soviet Union or or vice versa, all of the U.S., and then that would create an imbalance. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, that's sort they of don't how I read it. it, but like, I think uh, another thing when reading <laughs> when reading this film's intentions, we also have to consider. Um, yeah, they're starting to take on a more um, nationalistic, pro-Japanese approach, and they even started having the um, JSDF uh, uh, consult on these films. Uh, or, oh, um, really? They contributed like forces and equipment in in uh, exchange for like positive um, uh, portrayal. So I think we that also needs to be kind of factored in how we interpret the intention of the creators can i sidebar really fast i was watching this movie the first time i maybe have ever thought this was is a shot of all the soldiers and tanks and shit lining up to like fight godzilla and i just thought about how little i would feel if i was the soldier who was running with just armed with a machine gun to go fight godzilla (laughs) and how much i would know that I am the grunt of the world. No one yes. gives a shit about me. Yes. <laughs> I've never had that thought while watching one of these movies before, but it became so apparent here. I'm not sure why. I think part of it is that this is the best army fighting Godzilla at sea by far that we've ever seen visually. This mm. looked real to me. It looked mm. awesome compared Ooh. to, oh, this is obviously a tiny pool with toys in it, you know? Right. Well, once, um, once again, the JSTF were involved yep. <laughs> with the making of the movie, so that could totally. be um, a contributing factor there. Thank you, Japanese Self-Defense Forces. Yes, saluting right now. Um, y'all, there's, there's so many topics we have, like... We have a stereotypical, like, quote-unquote terrorist with an AK-47. We haven't even talked about the X-2. We haven't talked about the terrorist called Alien and the line, it isn't a beauty contest. Where do we go? There's so many things in this movie. So Alien is just the American biotech form, firm, though, right? That's their, like, yes. se- their secret group? Yes. Okay. I, I Which think. on mine is called Biomajor, but online is called something else, like Biolife or something. Yeah, I, I kind of assumed, I didn't bring up that I had different subtitles, which I normally do, because I know everybody's kind of pirating it. So I thought maybe we all have the same one. But for me, it was called Biomajor. I don't know what it was called for y'all. I don't know if I wrote it down. All good. I, I don't know. And like I said, I had three different files. I, was going <laughs> I, I don't <Fair>. remember. <laughs> well, what do y'all, what do y'all want to talk about? Like, I, I feel like overwhelmed by how many things there are to talk about. But maybe all of them are short. Yeah, I mean, well, that's 
I, I feel like it doesn't go super in depth with a lot of them, so maybe they are all short. Um, but yeah, it, it's just such a. It seems like the movie is like all over the place, and I let's talk about this terrorist dude from Seradia. Like, it's so interesting that they used a name that's not a real country, which to me is like. You know, they the last time they did that was Rasilica, which was like a mix of Russia and or Soviet Union and the U.S. Mm-hmm. But this, I'm assuming it's because they didn't want to look like they were calling out a certain country or they wanted it to look like it's a, a world where there's one that's like the big one. But then at the same time, they're just doing like all the stereotypes on this fucking killer guy. Like he has an AK. He has a fucking trench coat. He has the sunglasses inside. I don't know what it means. It's just, man, the 80s, they really loved making just the the terrorists look like that, being the bad guy. But a nice touch on him celebrating them being gay when they're dead? I don't know what kiss you guys means. What did that mean? <laughs> I don't remember that. What happened? It's one of those famous lines of the movie. He, in the beginning, you know, the whole thing we went over in the beginning yeah. where the cells, whatever, he shoots down the Americans and then he turns and in English he says kiss you guys and leaves oh i read that as k see you guys and subtitles the japanese subtitles were translated as let's have it wow (laughs) well just so y'all know among like godzilla fandom it's kiss you guys and that's what i hear i mean that's like the it's like a famous joke line that people don't know but k see you guys would make way more sense as a thing he just had trouble (laughs) pronouncing or something also i forget where this was it was somewhere near the end of the movie another really confusing line that i think was related to him because i just wrote it down without any context which i do sometimes and i'm sorry for that but they said someone said you look like batman yeah who said that uh asuka never seen batman (laughs) asuka said that to her boyfriend uh kirishima Oh, okay. Unrelated. But that was right after a part we haven't brought up where the terrorist guy, who I think is unnamed, I don't know, cool guy. I don't think he has a name either. Gonna call him cool guy. I mean, there's one point where they talk about how he's like the CEO of some company. I don't know if they mentioned anything there, <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, uh, cool guy. So that works. <laughs> he's in this field of hexagons and he's standing on one. And the colonel presses a button and lightning shows up and he disappears. Yeah. And they don't, to my knowledge, explain how that happens. And then the next shot is Asuka saying, you look like Batman to Kirishima. (laughs) They they didn't explain how that happened. So the the, the pads were, I guess that was the weather control thing. Because I read that. They were things that were like supposed to like zap Godzilla or Heat something up like raises temperature. Okay. And so I took that as it was just like a very, very, very hot pad that just like vaporized him. Okay. That makes sense. It just felt like so fast that he like teleported or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it was super weird. <laughs> but it is funny that they're saying you look like Batman because basically visually it was just like this rich corporate scientist guy fighting a brown dude with an ak yeah (laughs) you look like batman well you do i guess yeah i guess batman did a little bit of that i mean maybe they meant um he looks like uh um adam west (laughs) (laughs) that's probably it wait 89 it could have been michael uh michael keaton you're right (laughs) 
Can we talk about, unless we have more to pull out about this guy, can we talk about our our kaiju? Please. It, bef- unless there's like some other like, because I have like one other thing that I think is, is like a theme in this movie, but it requires... Let's talk about kaiju. It requires talking about kaiju. Oh, sorry. There's one thing I didn't bring up that I wanted to when we were talking about plants. So I want to say it now. The Just the interesting stuff about like... uh. Kirishima says that he's unsure about genetics because it can create aliens, monsters, and gods. And then it's kind of interesting that we have Godzilla, a monster. We have a terrorist group called Alien. I don't know. There's just weird shit going on there. Oh, wow. Um, They really put that on the nose, and I just completely missed that. And that feels like it ties into the Chimera thing. There's the description of Chimera. And there's also... um, Someone else says something about a spirit of a plant that lives in North myth, uh, North Norse mythology. Yeah, yeah. He says like Biolante. He said that when naming Biolante. So I was like looking up Biolante Norse mythology, but I couldn't find anything. I, um, I, I, someone on Reddit said, "Fun fact: That's not true." And the writers yeah. most probably just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> amazing love it there is no norse god why they pulled from yeah. norse mythology at all yeah. is just like totally <laughs> baffling to me it doesn't like feel norse at all no <laughs> but it does feel tied to you know gods aliens monsters chimera norse mythology and then science doesn't have all the answers psychic stuff yeah. it feels like they're trying to talk about how there are forces that science doesn't understand or something. Um, Give a dentist a pen and they go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the last thing was that I thought it was interesting that they just talked about how cell division works. And then Kirishima says, terrifying, isn't it? About going from one to four million cells in a day when it's dividing, Um, which does, it's one of the only statements about nature purely outside of Mm. human control of it. Right. 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 But I assume he's terrified of it, not because cells dividing is scary, but because of the potential for, you know, political yes. scientific mishandling. Yes. Yes. Speaking of political and scientific mishandling, our kaiju. <laughs> so something I, I thought about, I think when we were wrapping up the Showa era, I, I think I said that something about like Godzilla looking more realistic in this coming era and then like kind of waffled on that because like what a strange thing to say but i think what i should have said is he looks more like an animal and less like a guy and i kept thinking about that when i was watching this like there's something about like him walking through the water and the boats are he's being like annoyed by the boats firing missiles at him he like looks like a real creature and like when he first looks at Biolante, like he he looked like my dog looks at the rooster that lives next door to us. You know, like <laughs> there it it's both abominations of nature. Yes, one hundred percent. Um but yeah, I I thought I, I mean I think it's the same suit as last time, right? Probably. No. I think it it's slightly not. different. Oh, okay. I have a yeah, I have a couple things I can add to this. First of all, the the person um, in charge of the the suits, um, the special effects Kawakita, the the special effects director, he went to the zoo and watching the crocodiles, he began uh, to think about redesigning Godzilla into making him more of an authentic dinosaur. 
but the um, producer Tadaka said no uh, it's a monster <laughs> not a dinosaur um, but um, the the uh, the actor in the suit he um, he was in the last uh, he was Godzilla in the last movie too but in that movie he was basically just trying to like you know no pun intended and get his feet uh, into you know the door into the he was just it's his parents. first time he just kind of like yeah he he wanted so he's like kind of um imitating the uh nakajima was that the the actor yeah before? yeah so he's kind of like trying to imitate nakajima and he was like really disappointed in his performance and didn't feel like it was what he really wanted to bring to the table he was just too too much wanting to imitate uh, nakajima and so this he wanted to bring his own style to it and he wanted it to be more of uh less anthropomorphic um uh, specifically I'll read this paragraph from David Platt's book. Satsuma's goal was to abstain from Nakajima's anthropomorphic characterization and portray Godzilla as a realistic animal. Satsuma particularly wanted to avoid human movements such as those that would normally be used to keep his balance inside the heavy rubber suit and emphasize small details like finger movements to express emotions. The new Godzilla suit was designed to assist Satsuma in achieving a lifelike performance. Nobuyuki Yasumura, who had created the 1984 costume, built a new one specifically around Satsuma's measurements, producing what Satsuma considered the most comfortable monster suit he ever wore. The 242-pound rubber suits were at a lower center of gravity than previous Godzilla costumes, and the large muscular thighs gave Satsuma greater mobility. It was 242 pounds? And lighter than others. What yeah. The fuck? Uh, he had a sec... A second lighter costume, 176 pounds, was built for use in the outdoor tank since it would soak up water and become heavy. I gotta say, I it's funny, the more I watch Godzilla movies, the easier it is for me to do this, whereas I feel like when I started, I could not differentiate, but I, I think this is my favorite suit. This is definitely my favorite suit so far in our watch through, yeah. but it's one of my yeah. favorite of all time. It, it, and it Partially, I'm sure it's how he wore it. He's very um, good. He looks like yeah. an animal. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked the suit a lot. There were a couple shots where I felt like I could clearly see the the line where like the head was put on, oh. and that kind of took me out of it. But um, I might have also just been wrong when looking. At, maybe that I, wasn't what I that line was. You, but, but I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, but but overall, yeah, I agree. This is one of my favorite Godzilla costumes and performances. And how about that entrance of like? Godzilla coming out of the volcano with all the explosions going. It's not long, mm. but it's really cool. Definitely. He feels like very important. In yes. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And I, also the other thing that they do in this movie uh, is they like Osaka is a much fuller looking yes. city than than they had in 84 or and Tokyo. Yeah, it feels I don't know. Godzilla feel it. It doesn't like feel like a soundstage. There's a guy in a soundstage. Like it. It looks together. The the destruction is incredible. It's so cool that in a monster fight movie we got a scene of destruction that looks so good. And I gotta say the sequences from the beginning that are from the other movie don't look like a soundstage either. Like they cut it really well. Where actually last movie looks better in this movie than it did there. <laughs> yeah. What I wanted to say before, when talking about Godzilla's entrance, is uh, it kind of is inspiring. Makes you kind of makes me personally want to grow up to be a terrorist if that's <laughs> what um, 
Dream you know, big, buddy. Could could come to yeah. You. I mean, this movie. I mean, they knew what they were doing. They're getting kids excited. You know, mm-hmm. you used to want to be a doctor or a fireman or something, but like, I can make Godzilla come here on accident. Like, yeah, come on, real shit. I also love that when he's attacking the city. Um, I mean, it just looks so good. I fucking love so many shots, Ooh. including like looking through the window with the blinds there, and he's going past. Looks so cool. Uh, and I love that they're like. Godzilla's heading towards the business district. It's like, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I guess I get, I didn't know that they, they worked with the uh, self-defense forces on this, but it was the first time where I'm like seeing shots of f- helicopters flying around. I'm like, Oh, those look like real helicopters. Yeah. yeah. And the X2 yeah. didn't really less impressive, but still better than I can do. So, you know, like, very cool props. <laughs> I, I guess it's throughout the Heisei era um, starting here. Uh, that makes sense. And that shit's just going to get worse as we go on, uh, especially in the American movies, as oh, yeah. far as military involvement. Yes. I got to say about the X2, I mean, I don't feel like we need to talk about it in general because it's whatever. But like just a plot point, I feel like is I don't really get the point of having the Super X2's best weapon go down early in the first fight and then have the second time have it challenge it with less. Like, imagine how much cooler it would be if they had him had the X2 fight it the first time, but they couldn't get the mirror to work. And then the second time they could, and it was like reflecting and destroying buildings. Like that would have been so much cooler. And it just felt like a letdown of like, why are we excited about this? And I get eventually yeah. in the fight they decide to open it even though it's not working and there is some cool suspense there so i get that but it just felt like a really big missed opportunity i'm just saying yeah even when they they use in the second fight it's just like oh and it failed and fell to the ground and exploded but it distracted godzilla long enough it's like yeah it um, was it was a little push yeah. that that they needed <laughs> but i did i did think about that if if i was living in japan if a single missile from the X2 killed a civilian, you know I'd be out on the street calling the JSDF murderers for in their in their war against Godzilla. And Hell yeah. rightfully so. And then Godzilla would step on you. Whatever. <laughs> Get, and that guy the guy firing the missiles with his joystick, he was just going fucking ham on that thing. He's just like, <laughs> and he's yeah. always, he's like, I'm out of missiles, I'm out of missiles. Was there like Oh, that? I was cracking up watching him going off on that joystick. I mean, that sort of thing didn't exist yet anywhere, right? As far as <laughs> at least... doubt it. Like, there was no drone program like that in the world yet where you could just sit in an office and kill people over a video screen. Unless you're talking about the attempts at fucking, uh, uh, star Wars strategic missile defense thing. But yeah, no, not aiming at people or whatever, as far as we know. So innovators, Godzilla doing it again, where they're, they're looking ahead, seeing the bleak world to come. (laughs) Totally. That, that actually, the thing you just said, Charlie reminded me, um, we were talking about earlier, the guys who were shooting like the intravenous missiles, Mm-hmm. Did y'all catch the like heroin joke? That was so weird. I think I missed that. He like shot into Godzilla through that like he blew up the window and then shot into him and then he's mm-hmm. like Godzilla, those intravenous uh oh, yeah. doses aren't 
aren't good for you or whatever. Yeah. It's like, really? What? Yeah. <laughs> a weird thing. Yeah, I, I, I love that. That guy is like trying to get off like a classic, like action movie line but the line is clunky as hell and then, <laughs> so he turns, clunky. and then he just gets immediately annihilated by godzilla and like totally. i don't think the the filmmakers like intended that all to be humorous but to me it was like that's hilarious yeah, that rules. <laughs> yeah especially because it's like not only is it like supposed to be a classic line but it's like punching down it's like making fun mm-hmm. of junkies yeah. for no reason when it has nothing to do with it and then he just dies beautiful <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. he's a, he's one oh. he's a very clunky character just like generally like he's one yeah. he was the guy that prompted me to be like oh no there are too many characters in this movie like it's when they introduced mm-hmm. him there's just like a chain totally. of people that got to this guy who researches who like looks at the volcano waiting for godzilla to come out like that's Wait, his was, job that wasn't him yeah it was that was gondo or whatever yeah Gordo, what's his name yeah. What? Uh, I thought it was just a random military. No, dude. no, 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 no. That was that was him. Why he was there is well, yeah, Gondo. Why he was there is okay. beyond me. But I gotta say, because this this just tied into my thinking about my reading of this movie. Uh, I know we're on the kaiju, but no, no. real quick, him being part of this thing where he's just waiting for Godzilla to come, and so he like hopes Godzilla comes because his job mm-hmm. is so boring and he'll lose his job. You know, that's this whole thing tied into my viewing of this movie where there's a bunch of things in a row where people are only doing and hoping for bad things because we have this weird fucking job market system of survival like it felt very like i like just like oh this sucks i'm gonna lose my job if godzilla doesn't come it's like whoa 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 stop the presses that's a bad system (laughs) right 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 Go hungry yeah. if Godzilla doesn't come. We got to start over. <laughs> this is a good read, dude. I like this. I like this way of of going through this film. I think there's you, you're onto something. It's very good. Uh, I mean, we got to thank Charlie for uh, needing to do it later. I got to watch it again this morning, and it totally changed oh, yeah. my view of this movie. So hell yeah, that was my plan. <laughs> thank you. I really got to go back to watching him twice. It 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 does things to me, y'all. We haven't talked. Let's talk about Biolante, right? A.K.A. Yes. Erica. Is this the second or third woman kaiju? Uh, Either way, cool that we get an explicitly woman kaiju. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we have have an explicitly woman Godzilla kaiju at any point before yeah. this. Do we? I don't I, know if explicitly. Yeah. 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 I don't think any explicitly, but I think there's. Holy shit. Yeah. Who, which one? There's one that's like generally assumed to be. Uh, Titanosaurus and Baragon are the ones I think of. Baragon is the one I was thinking of. Baragon, yeah. though, that's like a fan thing. It's just because a woman played Baragon. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, at least in a later movie, and, I think. In uh, GMK. Yeah. And plays. so that doesn't feel real. But I think Titanosaurus, there was something about it. I don't remember though. I'm memory holing a lot I don't of these remember movies either. But that sounds right. Yeah. I, anyway. But yeah, I, I and. And the cool thing about it is that it's one of the coolest kaiju you ever made. I am so cool. I mean, that's like clearly a vagina vagina dentata thing going on on yeah. in the rose, right? Wait, vagina dentata. Does that mean vagina with teeth? Yeah. Okay. I did not think of that, but I see it I now. Either. <laughs> I, I think it was so obviously supposed to be that. 
like not like this isn't like me being weird i think like that was part of this that that biolante was supposed to be vaginal i mean if you're gonna ask me if godzilla is phallic i'm gonna say yes so mm-hmm. i do kind of see this a little bit yeah and interesting and this you, is all Giorgio o'keefe and freud's fault no i i mean maybe <laughs> but i mean i'm seeing vagina dentata everywhere i have a i'd say this is a me problem but <laughs> the, uh yeah i i really do think this is like a there's a this comes back to like that balance and like harmony thing vaguely i don't like actually have like a full like here is how this all resolves kind of end to this but like there's a very like godzilla masculine on one side and biolante feminine on the other side they're both they're both you know of the same ilk they i mean godzilla okay their fight wait real quick can i throw in there too like if we're talking about the dichotomy of the creation of these monsters as war on one side destruction and science creation on another that's a very masculine feminine dichotomy yeah definitely 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 and okay so godzilla sticks his head (laughs) into her through her lips I'm as he's doing it, I'm like, that's a dumb place to put your head. <laughs> Until he, uh, what? I don't even know what you call it. I, I orgasms into her, and she, you, you, I, I don't know what would you, what would you call what she does after that? You know, like wait, does I mean, when his head's of- in his her mouth what does he do does he shoot his atomic breath yeah okay it feels like a scene you know maybe it's it almost seems like rape like or in in some like that's what they're showing in in some way he forces his way through her lips and like and i'm not saying that to like trivialize it i actually thought it was kind of like dark and weird i read it as her biting down on his head just for the record he pushed his (laughs) way in I'm. I feel. Huh. Okay. So wait, what does she do after that? She turns into stardust, essentially. You know, like she breaks mm. apart. Um. I mean, she starts breaking apart, and um. And that. That's when he wins the first battle. This is the second one at the, the second very end. battle. Oh, okay. The second one. Yeah, yeah. Cause she, it's weird. It's like he does that, then he loses first, but it's the anti-nuclear bacteria finally working and then Mm. she disintegrates but she's starting to yeah it's 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 just a kind of outside of this this reading it's a kind of meh feeling ending where you it's kind of ambiguous like who's winning did they did the fight even end but okay getting back to what you're yeah what it it just feel again i don't really have like a good place where this all like resolves and smooths out or anything except that it there there's almost what it reestablishes at the end is sort of this new harmony with nature that like godzilla is a a part of at this point you know like he is a he's also like a kind of perversion of nature as that's like a result of war but he is like here he's been here since including this sort of like masculine dominance that he has. Uh, I, 
again, I don't know really what any of this means, but I saw this as sex. Yeah. You know, and that's or, super or interesting. Or whatever. And uh, to put a different layer on it, if we're talking about the theme of science, the fear of science getting into the wrong hands in a world at war, him representing war, her representing science, you know, as their origins, war wins out in the end, like yes. over science. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, There's a, yeah. That's cool. I, I did think when I was watching it that um, when she was spitting uh, her yellow stuff and the, the, the pollen and the yeah. goo on yeah. him, that it looked like a, a golden shower. So I guess that, <laughs> that plays there you in. Go. <laughs> I, and... I was thinking, like, this is totally golden shower stuff. So that, that, I guess that fits completely in with what you're saying. The, after the first, what happens at the end of the first fight? She's literally deflowered. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's very weird, but like I yeah. think that's what's going on here. I don't know where to fit that either, but it is interesting in there, for sure. And like women associated with flowers, there's like a long history of all of this oh. stuff. It's hard. Yeah. Kind of sort of separate from what we we're talking about I don't, I don't know if you want to go in more into that maybe we'll come back who knows <laughs> i don't know where it goes i'm yeah. um totally so after godzilla returns is that what the last one was return of godzilla yeah return of godzilla um they talked about making a sequel but then they were putting it off for a couple of years and um when king kong lives king kong 76 pro- oh no king kong lives you're right uh, yeah, when that came out and it bombed, uh, Tanaka was like, oh, people do not want a monster, want monster movies right now. But then, <laughs> Yeah, that's um, why it bombed. It's so funny. I know. Like, <laughs> just producers always getting the wrong lessons. I guess you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But you know, what they, you know what they did want is weird kaiju sex. Bringing yeah. it back. <laughs> but... but <laughs> but there's actual um, kaiju sex in this movie. Not in I don't know what happens in there's no um, exception. Yeah, there. which is why <laughs> it's just the only reason why this movie's bigger uh better than King Kong uh lives. Because <laughs> they show us the money, yep. Yeah. <laughs> we get we get money shots. But uh then when um Little Shop of Horrors came out, he changed his mind because that was successful. And he claims God, they're so Bialante stupid. was not influenced. Any similarities between uh, Bialante and Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors is just purely coincidental. But I'm kind of like, you admit that you were influenced to make a, another Godzilla movie yeah. by that movie. Like, come on, there is some yeah. influence going on there. It's it's a female plant monster. Like Totally. Yeah. I, <laughs> and just kind it's of looks totally. like Audrey, you know, like the, there are mm-hmm. visual similarities going on. Definitely. Totally. I just want to talk about how awesome Biolante looks first as the Rose. I love mm-hmm. that shit. I love that. Beautiful. That's so cool. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a matte painting. I don't know what it is. Also, for people who haven't seen, look at the poster for this movie. It is so cool. Yeah, that was um, my phone I, background for a while. It was really beautiful. It's my only poster on my walls is the cover, is the poster of this. Oh, nice. Because it's not even my favorite movie, but the poster's so cool. Yeah. In this 
book somewhere, they talk about how that was like one of the most complex or success complex and successful like Matt uh Matt Payne's they ever did was like the introduction of Violante. It's so like good. It's, it's like an a, animation. Yeah. It is a mad wild. Oh wild. It looks beautiful. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's great. And the second version is cool too. It's very different. But like, have y'all ever seen the behind the stuff, the behind the scenes stuff about them operating Biolante? It is so cool. It's like eight people with fucking ropes yeah. pulling all the shit at once. It's like the most complex one it's, they've ever done. It's crazy. I think it's also like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I remember reading at one point that it's like the heaviest uh, I mean, suits they ever worked with. Yeah, too. it's massive. I mean, that was it's one ma- of the the coolest things about it is just like how small Godzilla looks compared to yes. this thing. Yeah. And the limitations of that are that the fight is very just a beam fight, which is in general what he- the Heisei era is. A lot of people don't like the fights because they're more beam oriented fights, like some Dragon Ball Z shit than they are like the wrestling match stuff. But I will say when Biolante does move, it is awesome that running towards the camera scene in its second form is so unbelievable yeah it it just like i mean it's very frustrating that they use the same shot like three times because it kind of like by the third time i'm looking at it sort of like the magic is going away a little bit for me sure but it really does look like it's this like oh how is it doing that like it looks like i mean it's jumping off the screen at you like yeah. In, in a in a way that it doesn't feel like it should. It's like it's uncanny uh, to a certain totally. extent. It doesn't look like a person at all. There's no like person in there, and then suddenly it it lurches forward and it's and it's jarring. It's good. It's very good. It, it's very cool that they made the first form so stationary because then the second looks even more like it should be stationary, and then it runs. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, this uh, is kind of the origin of, well, Hedorah is the origin of changing forms, but this is the thing that started it in the Heisei era where, like, most of the enemies change forms, and it's a really awesome addition to this era. Yeah, Kalat draws a few comparisons to uh, Hedorah um, and talks about how that's kind of a preliminary to this, and also... Uh, the special effects director, I think, was like an assistant special effects director on on Hedora, oh, cool. uh, and they like he specifically amazing. what? Oh, I was just gonna say they didn't just yeah. like take out and shoot every single person who worked on Hedora. <laughs> well, thank goodness. <laughs> um, and he specifically liked the idea of like uh, the monsters kind of evolving throughout. Um, and I haven't seen the other Heisei ones, but he mentions how he he they that kind of he wanted to make that like a staple point of the godzilla series is like the monsters changing i don't so i don't know if that happens in the other movies or not yes yes which is perfect because in the showa era the pattern is so distinct right they fight once they go away they fight again but in this one every time you do that the stakes are higher because it's a new form like it's Mm -hmm. it makes it so much better also the for it being stationary, I feel like they did really cool shots to make up for that. Like, there's so many cool, like, ref- like through the window as you see people reflected is them battling. Or, like, I don't know. They just really played with the fact that it was stationary. They were like, how can we still make this as epic? Yeah. It really did feel like they figured out how to make it move once. And they're like, 
uh-oh, we're not sure if we could ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that, but I could see getting that. Like, I only remember it doing the run forward thing in one cool way one time, but I must have, it, I don't know. In, within, like, a couple seconds, it just, like, repeats. I see. Uh, yes. Yeah. Agreed. Going back to the matte paintings, yeah. I want to read this paragraph uh, from David Klatt's book. Although Kawakita strove to accomplish as many practical effects as possible on set, his optical unit produced nearly perfect mats, something Nakano had never achieved. In one breathtaking shot, Godzilla appears in the ocean by the helicopter platform with actress Megumi Odaka's Miki Sagusa. This shot is so expertly done that the illusion of Godzilla as a real giant animal is completely convincing, helped considerably by Satsuma's animalistic movements. Another startling composite occurs when Violante is first discovered. The camera pans from the actors at the lake to the model stage with the suit ma- with the suitmation Rose Violante. Special effects cinematographer Katsuhiro Kato was especially proud of this seamless mat, in part because it represented the first Japanese usage of an eight-perf camera to film the two elements. Japanese cameras were historically too unstable for successful eight-perf filming, resulting in a jittery split between the composite elements. Kato's success with the shot was a first for Japanese cinematography. Hell yeah. I don't know what so all that means. I don't means. know what that all means, but <laughs> it sounds pretty impressive. Uh, and it is such a... Like, this movie is mostly not monster fights, and they're kind of like, uh, when's it going to happen? And then that intro to Biolante, you don't even care if they fight anymore. You're just like, look mm, at this. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's very much like... It leans in on the spectacle of it and is just like it is impressive for existing. And it's yeah. it's okay that they're not gonna wrestle around and shit. Or even spend that much time fighting. And I'm I'm I think probably the minority here where it the least interesting part of Godzilla movies to me is when monsters are fighting. Almost always. That's like where I check out a little bit. Um, so this was this was great. How to me it depends. I think they fought for the perfect amount here mm-hmm. because of what they could do, and I think that like they were so creative. Like anything you'd think of that you hoped they would do, they did. The vines wrapped around him. The vine mouths mm. come up, and Godzilla shoots them midair and makes them spurt shit. Like they went all the place. Like she puts her vines up as a shield, and he shoots through it and then into her. It's like. So fucking cool. But like, for instance, in Godzilla versus Kong, the the 2021 movie, um, I think that's what year it came out. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that that movie is 50 percent fights because that's what the movie's for. You're like, right. how would mm-hmm. Kong and Godzilla fight? And I'm into it. But here I'm, I would have gotten a little bored. And in a lot of the old Godzilla movies, I did get really bored. It's like, oh, what yeah. other wrestling movie are they going to do? Oh, it's the same shit they did last time. And no, they squeezed out all the creativity and ended it yeah i would just say i i have a little um love hate because i agree with you that it sometimes the monster fights can get boring in some of the older movies but i'm also i love monsters so much so i want screen time for those monsters and sometimes that's just how you get screen time for the monsters is through the fights so like in this movie i wanted more Bialante screen time so i'm like Man, maybe I, I kind of wish that fight was longer because I just want to see more Bialante. I do too, uh, but I'd almost rather like see Bialante like in an environment and how it interacts with the environment and how it, you know, like yeah. things like that. I, I 
I agree. I They also did a good job with Godzilla screen time in this, where, like, the fact that it fought Biolante, he fought Biolante and then did some destruction, and the destruction wasn't, like, super gnarly miniatures. Look at him knock this building over and all the stuff pour out. It was, like, really cinematic. Yeah. He's walking through, and you don't even see what he's destroying because of the camera angle, but it was so, like epic and beautiful and you kind of see the range of how much of the city he's destroying it was so fucking good it, yeah it is just <clears throat> it's one of the better directed yeah. Godzilla movies that we've seen thus far at least Oh, except I, certain actors and yeah, action yeah, yeah. scenes but maybe I, I guess I mean just like as like a piece of cinema like a yeah. visual part of it I think is really all there's one shot of Godzilla like peering over a mountain at a power plant that was the first one that made me look like, oh, wait, this is like a Godzilla movie. And I'm like, this is, yeah. you know, it just like felt like uh, he was too small or too big or like something like felt wrong. But everything else just like feels, you know, they, they have that shot of I think the Biolante tentacle like goes through his hand or something like pierces through mm -hmm. him. And it is. And I'm like ouch like i i'm like yeah. fully invested in like this is like a, a a big guy who is is in pain now which doesn't yeah. always happen in a godzilla movie before we get too deep i just want to throw out that we haven't mentioned the incredible 80s music i've been sitting on my hands waiting for that <laughs> Did, i didn't notice till the end of the movie that the main 80s guitar theme was Ifakube's military theme changed around. Yeah, there's a couple of those. I mean, there's like the, there's also the like main Godzilla theme has a um, like 80s guitar oh, yeah. song. But then there's also Damn, all this uh, stuff that sounds like like Danny Elfman and John Williams <laughs> and like I guess Danny uh, Elfman Danny Elfman didn't really exist doing this yet I don't think but Danny Elfman was still going to my high school during this Oingo Boingo I believe so at this point but I I did not know that um yeah uh so I believe I got this from the Kaiser Transmissions podcast but um I guess Ifukube they asked if he they asked Ifukube if they could use his music in this and he was like, Yeah, just don't like make it uh like modern modern <laughs> super like uh super like pop music modernized and then he like he like heard them like putting like a guitar solo or something, he was like, God damn it <laughs> And then uh I guess the main composer for this is um guy who did like all the Dragon Quest games, and um, the guy who does like all the music for Final Fantasy calls Dude. him like the god, uh, refers to him as the god of video game music. But I guess I... he's also like some like far right nat Japanese nationalist as well. <laughs> oh, um, of course, no way. <laughs> I seriously was like, this sounds like Japanese RPG music, and I was like, I'm probably being stupid. Those <laughs> probably just sound like popular Japanese music that I don't know anything about because they're both Japanese, but no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, this is like one of the music. most respected video game composers of all time. I mean, um, I actually. And he's also a guy who like put out an op ed in like the Wall Street Journal or something about how Japan was justified in some of the stuff they did in World War II. And, Jesus like, Christ. What the comfort, fuck? Women, comfort women like don't exist. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> God that's crazy. Uh, 
I do want to say I, I like a lot of the guitar stuff. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun so and stupid, but like, but like, but cool. Um, uh, much most of the other music, I'm like, man, this is too fucking whimsical. Like, yeah. what is going mm. on here? Slow down the tempo. Make like, I would love to rescore this movie. I would love to figure yeah. out a way to to like have well, this movie without a soundtrack so that I could do it because I think that there's something hugely detracted by yeah. a lot of the score. It's too fast. Slow down. Another thing is, so the guy that did the music, so he wrote it and then he gave it to um, a conductor to uh, do the orchestration. And that con- the conductor never watched any of the footage. He was just basically basing it on what the composer told him the movie was like or something like that. Uh, this makes so much so sense. One reason why the music, um, yeah, because David Klatt's book talks about how the music is like horrible and doesn't fit the movie uh because and that's one of the big reasons just like the guy com- uh, doing the conducting of the orchestra didn't know what emotional beast to hit um and yeah uh from a Kill more personal from a more personal note there's that one point when there's when godzilla attacks osaka for the first time and there's a stadium and like it starts playing this fucking awesome 80s music and oh yeah and I was like, "Yeah, this fucking rules!" And then it cuts off immediately, and you hear the voice of like the performers being like, "We have to evacuate this stadium." And I was so sad and upset. I was like, "No, that totally. song sounded like it was rocking. I wanted to hear that jam." And that that was one of my uh, most negative um, points of the movie. What's the word for that? Disappointment. No. Oh, uh, ge- uh, diagenetic. Diegetic. Diegetic. Sorry, genetic. You know, it's a genetics movie. I don't want to dive too hard into it, but I just got to say we haven't really mentioned that the the scene where they ask the kids what they saw and they all hold up the drawings is just iconic, beautiful, perfect, horrifying. It's amazing. Also going to come back in the movie. Classroom of scanners. Get rid of them. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just cool art so many cool yes. drawings mm. of godzilla it's just and the yes. kids are cute that's the other thing they're like absolutely adorable yes yeah um and like you know i'm not i'm like one of those people who like you know i'm not like anti-kids in any way i just don't really want to like spend a ton of time with kids but if i if you're like bardo you have to be a teacher i would love to be the teacher to the 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 psychic <laughs> children in, in Japan. They seem very nice and excited. Well, the only thing I have left is a couple of like what I think the movie's trying to present as lessons. Uh but I don't know what Barto it sounded like you had another theme thing you want to talk about. Is it that? Is it something oh, else? It was just the the only thing that I would I think when I was bringing that up was just that the Biolante as a vagina. That's all I had. Oh, okay. So yeah, what are the lessons? What did you learn? Well, I don't know. I'm talking about the mo- the the movie is doing the classic Honda thing of presenting lessons, and there is one big one and one small one, and I don't know what they mean. And one of them is kind of funny. So let's start with the small one. Is you have this uh, L plot of because uh, there's an A plot, a B plot, a C plot. There's so many plots, but there's a little plot where Kirishima has been accepted to a school in Massachusetts, and we're not sure if Asuka is going to join him. 
and he's debating whether he should go. And at the end of the movie, she's like, we're going to Massachusetts. And he's like, I'm not going. And she's like, what? He says, because people everywhere are the same. There's good and bad in, bad in every country. So I'm not going to America. It's <laughs> Godzilla to the sea, Biolante to the sky. And this lucky couple is going to America. Is like... Yes. <laughs> nice. So funny. And then, yeah. What does that mean in a movie where America is shown on a screen to have like four companies that are causing all of these problems? They're this massive force that is tied in with the terrorism coming from the oil corporation all this shit and he decides not to go but because people are the same like it just what i feel like they just have a whole hand in their mouth chewing and i don't know what it means <laughs> yeah uh, do you want me to read david collapse interpretation oh, of that? thank god someone with getting paid can tell us what's happening <laughs> Uh, the new Godzilla series did not idealize science in this way. I'm talking about Honda's kind of idealistic okay. uh, view of science. In Godzilla vs. Biollante, Shiragami goes Kirishima saying, so science is just another host of politicians. Notably, Kirishima finally decides against attending the Massachusetts Institute of Techno Techno Technology, a decision that partly reflects the negative portrayal of Americans in the movie as a whole, but also addresses the issue of science for hire as well. MIT's reputation as a world-class science institute has much to do with the prominent positions its graduates attain in research labs funded by large corporations. If Kirishima feels compromised working at a lab funded by the Okochi Foundation, he is unlo unlikely to find anything in the United States that does not similar similarly compromise his integrity. Scientists like Kirishima do not research simply to improve the world's wealth of knowledge. Their work is used to improve the wealth of their employers. Science is a business. Unlike Honda's utopian vision, Godzilla vs. Biollante presents scientists who are manipulated by large companies and governments contracted to produce weapons and monsters. When international politics demand it, the scientists are even forced to turn over the fruits of the research to terrorists. Okay, I did not make the connection with MIT. This makes more sense. But did they consider that MIT distributes the Semiotext series, which includes the English translations of Takoon? I don't think they thought about that. <laughs> English sanitation of what? Takoon, it's uh, political theory that's quite enjoyable. Uh, oh, French, yeah, I'm French sure. French shit. I mean, I'm sure it's the only enjoyable political theory ever written. <laughs> Uh, okay, that makes... Yeah, that does tie right into it. Yeah. Thanks, Kalat, or Kalat, or whatever your name is. Okay, here's the final lesson. Here's the real Honda thing at the end, which I think just muddies the water. Uh, it's Asuka again. How long have we been living in such an age? Maybe it started when man first stepped out of the Garden of Eden and left his innocence behind. Men would do well to remember this day forever. Okay, so I wrote that down. And I thought I wrote it down too. I didn't. When man oh, was well, I guess you're the dumb one. Wait, you typed it out to us, didn't you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> when man was arrogant, when we started fooling, like what age are we talking about? Like when we started fooling with gen genetics? What? What? I'm assuming it's kind of riding off the back of uh, Shiragami's statement about. I'm not gonna. I realized. What does he say? I keep forgetting. Y'all said it before. 
Uh, uh, here we go. Oh. The Violante and Godzilla aren't monsters. It's the arrogant scientists who create him. Oh, yeah. Okay, but so again, I think where this falls is man living not with nature, but mm. you know, like in not necessarily in opposition to it, but like trying to change it, manipulate it, trying to to yeah they're, have domination over right it, to dominate. We're, I mean, I think they're literally coming out against agriculture. This <laughs> is an anti-Civ Godzilla film. I just. <laughs> If we're talking about Eden, Adam and Eve were given dominion over the animals in a garden and then defied God, so they left. I don't know. They defied God, you know, like that's what we're. Yes, that's. That's what we're talking I about. I think it's messing with science, I agree with you. Genetics, defying God, it all ties. By the way. What'd you say? <laughs> the original metal couple. Yeah, Adam and Eve. And- yeah. Kill the horns for them. I I just have to say that it's very funny when referencing a story about like how women created the first sin to say men would do well to remember this day. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I I it's got to be something like that. But it it definitely it just sucks that it, to me a lot of this movie felt like it was pointing to the political global socio-political situation we're in and these competing powers and how like it would be nice to be able to just research stuff and help each other but instead we're all competing and fighting and then have it be like it's because humans have been flawed since the start and it's Mm-mm. we have that means there's no hope there's no pot it's just a shitty little yeah. like it's a one-liner it's a, they did for effect but it's a very fatalistic uh but yeah yeah I, view. <laughs> again i think it ties together what I sort of my my view of this movie, which is not necessarily the correct view, but it, you know, like um, is that they see something, some huge flaw in in our relationship with the world, because that's the only you know, again, in such an age, what age, you know, yeah. what does that mean? Especially if they're going back to Eden, <laughs> like what do they mean? Well, I mean, that's supposed to be the dichotomy, right? They're to me, they're clearly talking about this technological scientific age. And then she's saying, but what if it's not just this age? What if it goes back yeah. to Eden? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And sure, I could see it being about nature. I could also see it being like, it's the tree of knowledge. The issue is that we're trying to do too much knowledge. The science is the problem. Looking too much into stuff. I could. I, it does feel more in support of like a simple don't fuck with nature don't fuck with science don't fuck with stuff just mentality i guess or view yeah boring yeah less i i think your your read on this is much more interesting but i'm not sure the film knew it was doing that <laughs> oh i don't think the film like i think the reason this line is weird is because the film's not thinking that hard about this shit ever but i mean you know most art isn't thinking about what it makes us feel right that's like not the point but i yeah, i mean 90 percent of this podcast is uh reading stuff into things that the makers did not really consider right well and that's all art right like i mean if yeah. a if a fucking stupid asshole writes a thing that he thinks is showing why the white people are the best i can read it as showing why he's an idiot you know yeah, it doesn't I mean... matter your intention but I just don't see much evidence outside of like this line in this movie about a pure, I don't know. The evidence to me is all, it's all this complicated, weird shit. So it's weird to just have Adam and Eve at the end, but you know, no, it's I, Godzilla. I agree. Yeah. It's, uh, 
They're simple movies at heart. They, yes. <laughs> they're very... Despite having no main character and a thousand corporations and... Yes. Yeah. Uh, y'all want to do some awards? I, can I just say... Please. Two, two quick, quick, quick things. The That image of Erica floating away from Biolante <laughs> as Biolante is burning up. Incredible. I'm watching a lot of Twin Peaks right now. Very Twin Peaks. It felt, you know, like, like, um, I was reminded of the episode in season three where, like, Laura Palmer's face is like just sort of like in a in a bubble that gets you know sent down to Earth. It very. It, mm-hmm. I thought it was actually kind of beautiful, and I also really loved the the end credits where <laughs> there's a giant rose floating above the earth and i would i want one of those Whoa. fuck satellites i want a big rose out there <laughs> isn't that the one that mika was drawing earlier in the movie yeah 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 and that's it come to life the face in the sky was very upsetting to me the first time i watched it because i was it just feels so weird and fake i love it now but also it's a very funny kind of spiritual magical thing for such a science tech movie with esp and you know like yes you know it totally it's tying to that it's it's saying that like yes plants have souls and energy and this one had this very specific person's soul and energy is a part of yes it. and i i love that it comes out of like the spore spark things that are doing this like reflection thing every time you see them so they almost look like dna like mm-hmm. they're doing this waving back and forth thing it's also kind of magic-y science-y it's very cool yeah. and and wasn't there oh sorry I, I was just gonna say it 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 ties together you know the i i forget the the little psychic girl's name um but mika her she, mickey mickey yeah <clears throat> she is like oh erica is in there and now oh i can't feel erica in there anymore like it's it's all been lost but like potentially to you know like i i sort of read it as like the godzilla genes are taking over you know or Mm -hmm. whatever and that was like freeing her you know she can like rest easy now um and which again falls into this like i don't know where is this bond it good or bad or like was it good and then it got bad and then you know i mean what's really happening right is it's the movie is calling into question individual subjectivity right biolante is not one entity you got erica you got godzilla you got others so it's you know how can it be just good or bad yeah obviously that's what the movie's trying to say right 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 obviously where does erica begin or end impossible to say totally Violante as one organism? Like, what were all those heads at the end of each of those vines? Come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's got some favorite shots to share? Did Charlie have one more thing to say? Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I cut him off. And... Um, I was going to say the same thing you said. I was going to bring up how, yeah, Miki earlier said that she couldn't uh, detect Erica anymore. Cool. And um, I, I, I think I had a bit of a different angle on it. Where you're saying that that was her being freed, but I, I thought maybe that was confirmation that Erica was there all along and was kind of uh, directing uh, Bialante's uh, 
Ooh. actions towards uh, fighting off Godzilla, I guess. Oh. Um, and, and saving people. Interesting. Oh. I mean, and that sort of, like, tracks with, like, her killing the guys coming in to, like, steal the the genetic material or whatever early on. Like, mm-hmm. she already, you know, she died from someone. I don't really know why that terrorist attack happened. It, that doesn't, it's not very, made very clear uh, what was gained from that, except that there are just, like, terrorists in the Middle East. That was That was sort of... Um, because I don't think they ever like laid blame on anyone in particular. I just no. assume that if the white guys were trying to get the cell and they got killed by the Ceradian, then the white that America was tying terrorists to attack Ceradia to try to get back the cell or stop their oh. progress. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. But it it seemed like she was. It, it like reads to me as like she's reacting to that particular you know responding to that instance and and i don't know exactly how to read the rest of it as because we had so this is one of the problems is that we got to know so little about erica that you can't like yeah be like oh here are the ways that like violante's behavior is yeah reflected in that but that would have been cool that would have been a cool movie (laughs) yeah I gotta say, we haven't talked about her much. We only see a little... Erica seemed like kind of a dick. <laughs> like Her dad's like, I gotta go to this thing. And she's like, oh, come on. You know you can't go anywhere without me. And she's laughing and he just looks pissed. <laughs> and I'm like, are you calling your dad like an invalid? And that's all we get. And then she dies. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't think she's a dick, but it is an easy read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was... It was very surprising that she worked with him and wasn't just... Yeah, like... right? <laughs> <laughs> made no sense yeah my favorite shot i'll go first uh the kids holding up the godzilla drawings nobody else can choose it um who's next hell yeah good pick. nobody else can choose it who's next <laughs> uh i thought that first that first shot was kind of silhouette of biolante with of the rose and just gorgeous just gorgeous hell yeah i had both of those but i won't choose them uh, the final form of Biolante running towards the camera, amazing. Um, Godzilla's entrance, amazing. And the very cool microscopic shot of growth, like, a little later in the movie, not the ones early on, where, like, there's, like, blue, like, law and white, like, long threads kind of come in, like, stretchy microscopic stuff. I don't know, it looked really cool. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so I only picked the... I mean, the children who left the drawings was one of my favorite shots, but the reason why I was saying that was because in your notes you distributed for the movie, you left that in as your favorite shot. That's so, so funny. I was trying to screw you. I put <laughs> almost all of these notes in and then realized I hadn't made a copy, made a copy, deleted them all, and must have missed that. I was trying to hide it all from you. Um, but yeah, in general, just pretty much any shot with Bialante. But yeah, the, the one with her as a rose over the lake is particularly great. Um, one thing I didn't mention is her vines reminded me sometimes of the smaller graboids and tremors. Uh, Interesting. Oh, the mouse. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but I like that. Uh, and then, yeah, the, um, I know a lot of people probably, I feel like a lot of people watch this movie think it's stupid, but that that shot with Erica's face going up with the um with the pollen in the in the air at the end, uh, to me, 
Like, that's such a weirdo shot and idea. And one of the most important things to me in movies is charm. And that's just, it's such like a weird original thing that you wouldn't expect. And it just gave, it just added on so much charm. I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And Hell yeah. That it was cool and uh, wonderful. And I, I, yeah, one of my favorites. Hard to agree. Good pick. Uh, Dem Cop of the Week. So it's kind of hard for me to pick. Yeah. Mostly because we don't get Gondo. to know any, each, anyone well enough. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, you picked Gondo? Yeah, just, I mean, like I like we brought up before, him, like, shooting the bazooka at, at Godzilla, and then he kind of, like, just turns his back and walks away, and then he, like, he first, he's hearing, like, in his headphones for, like, a good five seconds or so, and then be like, Gondo, he's coming to your position. Gondo, he's coming to your position. He doesn't do anything and then uh, then eventually he like listens and he like turns around then he shoots him in the mouth he gives that dumb one-liner where he thinks he's like a fucking action star and then Godzilla's just like who's this fucking joker and just <laughs> kills him <laughs> totally oh <laughs> uh, sorry this is a... totally oh please i was just saying it's just like such hubris where like he it seems like he actually thinks he's a fucking 80s action star. Totally. <laughs> and Godzilla is just is like, no, you're not. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, this is unrelated, but we just never mentioned and I just remembered that there's like that Godzilla memorial restaurant yeah. with the footprint from the first movie. That was so cool. Yeah, the Godzilla memorial that, lounge. No. Where uh, Asuka and her boyfriend are first having that dinner it's called the Godzilla mm-hmm. Memorial Lounge, and it's that like fancy restaurant I think that from the first movie or from the last movie, and the yeah. ceiling is a f- has a footprint of Godzilla's out of it that's glass, and that's where you're looking wow. at them through. Very cool. Yeah, I great set. Feel piece. like a schmuck for not noticing that. I'm the I'm the schmuck of the pod this episode. <laughs> uh, sorry, dumb cops of the week. I'll go. I have uh. The soldiers who turned around when the other soldiers were like, hey, and then jumped out of the trash cans and shot him like you're in a war situation. You shouldn't get thrown off by, hey, over here or whatever. So I'll give it to them. Dumb cops. You know, I'm going to do Dr. Shiragami because like all cops, uh, he doesn't go to jail when he does a terrible thing. (laughs) Nice. Revives his daughter. That's a terrible thing to you. <laughs> yes. Wow. Fucking once again, never been a father. No. Uh, um. Uh. 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 I would say, as an addendum to dumb cops, that the main, the the, the young gun who's in charge of attacking Godzilla. Yeah. Um. First of all, such a weird idea like we're putting in this 23 year old to head our anti-godzilla operation um but uh i i found him just so dislikable and i don't know if i can really pinpoint why but like every time he came on and like talked i just i just hated him like I it's because dis- he's a cop dislike towards him yeah. yeah maybe maybe it's just my my anti-cop thing but, i mean there's plenty of things where i where i watch and i'm like i can't my movies and shows where I can like put a little separation in there where I'm like, I like this guy, even though he's a cop, like, like agent coop, agent coop, Marge Gunderson. I like agent coop. Yeah. Marge. Yeah, exactly. 
Totally. I mean, I was just trying to give you an out. I, I don't know. You're just then you oh, have yeah, an irrational yeah. hatred of him. Charlie. I, I just don't. <laughs> he just doesn't really add anything to the plot, but is also taking yeah. up a lot mm. of space. I think it also bothered me his kind of glib thing when the when he's talking about Osaka and like I forgot what the the exchange is exactly, and and he um like the other guy is like oh but that will mean Godzilla will attack Osaka or something like that and then he's then he's like my job is to stop Godzilla like he doesn't care so much for for Osaka and uh, uh, civilians but but then he does add in the thing like well maybe we can delay his his thing so he can evacuate people but it doesn't seem like that was his first concern was evacuating he's, people from Osaka he's also um, like the orchestrator of the like like the 9-11-y type response to this shit right he's like Let's mm. lie and say that there's an outbreak or whatever to shut down the airports to stop yeah. whatever. It's just very he's like in, initiating this like extreme yeah. state of emergency type rule. He just sucks. Yeah. Uh, Praxis Awards. Erica. <laughs> I guess. All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, That's a take. Uh, I she. She, Erica did nothing wrong. Violante did nothing wrong. Um, and she she stopped Godzilla. I, I guess. I, I don't know if she fully gets it. But again, I, f- I forget her first name. But Okochi. Asuka. For, for being a teacher to psychic children. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of torn. So I'm going to give a, a little one to two. Uh, Shiragami at the end for realizing he was wrong. It's hard to realize you were wrong. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Godzilla. Okay. So opposite of Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla because he's Godzilla. So Look. ratings. Our Godzilla system is S A B C D F. Who wants to go first? This is an A film for, for me, despite all like the weird. It that it's also very stupid in a lot of ways. Like I, I think this is this is an an A movie. It's definitely unique and wonderful and trying some new things. I think and yeah, and there's stuff to chew on. Yeah, this one to me is like I'm but be- I'm torn between an S and an A because it is has some of the most awesome shit and is like quintessentially a kaiju movie. But it also feels like it's little, it's muddy, it's got weird stereotypes and like dumb convoluted stuff. But does that take away from my enjoyment of it? Not that much. It's dumbness is kind of charming. I don't know. I'm giving it like a a straw, like a strong A light S somewhere in there. Yeah, originally before we were recording, I was thinking I was just not even going to rate it at all. As I mentioned in the beginning, I'm just have negative a lot of unfair negative uh feelings towards uh the whole viewing of this episode but trying to look past that i do think that this fairly watched this would be one of my favorite godzilla movies um i think Bialante is just one of the coolest monsters ever made in film history um and uh there's a lot of neat original things that's going on that uh is at least now new for the godzilla series i like i said i've never i'm unfamiliar with the heisei series so i don't know if some of these things are gonna be mine to death or not but um 
I think if I was trying to do an un unbiased view of it, it would be a high A. Hell yeah. Sick. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope that you will check us out next time when we cover the Steven Spielberg movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, do us a favor, rate us on whatever podcast app you're listening to. Give us a review. That would mean a lot. You can find us on Twitter for now. We'll see if that exists soon at No God's Pod, on Blue Sky at New, uh, No God's Pod, and email us at uh, No God's Pod at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to support the show, we, we're recording this a couple weeks from when we're sending it out, but my guess is they will um, map medical aid for Palestinians. Uh, we'll need your money just as much then as they do right this moment as far as i can tell like people on the ground in gaza are like map is good donate money to map and the other one i would i would point to is mecca middle east children's alliance they've been doing i uh i followed them for a long time they've been doing really good work for like 30 years now um and they also have people on the ground in gaza right now and i'm sure can use your money sweet thanks